Good morning. Happy Memorial Day, laborers. This weekend has been given to us because we work hard. We do, don't we? Thrilled to be with you this morning. My name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to tell you before I even go forward with our series, Let Hope Rise, that I think we get the opportunity to work hard in this country. I think we get the opportunity to work hard for Jesus in, the, in this country with great freedom because of what the American soldier has done throughout the globe. Because, and you know the greatest generation that, that stormed the beaches of Normandy, it's because they were willing to die on the beach that we get to go to the beach. And we are exceedingly grateful for your service. Several of you were recognized this morning, and uh, I was thrilled to see your service to our country. Greater love hath no man than this, than he that lays down his life for a friend, and you've set the example there. We are going to begin, we're going to finish our series, Let Hope Rise, today. And what we've been saying is that uh, when hope rises, anything is possible. And I want to give you a little summer heads up real quick. This summer, we're going to start a series called Major Lessons from Major Prophets. Eight weeks, four prophets, and one lesson. And here's the lesson. Your past doesn't have to determine your future. Starting June 9th, we will be in Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel for eight weeks. Some, some have described this series as angry men. I don't think so, entirely. I think there's a lot to learn about Christ from the prophets, so I'm giving you an advance. Start studying up and reading through Isaiah, which some have described as a miniature gospel, a summary of the gospel that actually led people to Christ in the first century. Start studying up and get ready for those. When hope rises, anything's possible. With God, all things are possible. And today's focus is this, refuse to go it alone. Refuse to go it alone. And Solomon in his wisdom said this, two are better than one. Two are better than one. If you came with a special friend today, turn over and look at him and say, yeah, two are better than one. Two are better than one. If you see someone you're attracted to and they're single, look at them and say, hey, guess what? One is not better. <laughs> two are better than one. And I want to tell you, I want to, I want to give you a heads up on this message. You're going to be, I'm going to challenge you this summer. I'm going to challenge you in two ways. That's what's coming up, okay? Here we go. The question is this. How did Jesus change the world and bring hope? How did he do it? Here's what we we know from this uh, small group guru on evangelism, Robert Coleman. He said this. It all started by Jesus calling a few men to follow him. His concern was not with the programs to reach the multitudes, but with the men whom the multitudes would follow. And I can tell you in advance that this summer is either an opportunity to create connection for you, or it's an opportunity to be absent from experiences with your biological family, and I would say even more importantly, with your family of Christ. 
This summer is an opportunity to create connection with your biological family, but I would even say even more importantly, with the body of Christ, with your brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, with your mother and your father in Jesus Christ, and your grandmother and your granddad in Jesus Christ. This summer can be that opportunity for you. And you can either be a part of those connections, or you can be someone this summer that helps those connections be possible. And I share this with you because you'll see that relationships, building relationships, was job number one for the early disciples. And I'm going to talk to you about how to build relationships and have the summer of a lifetime for you, if you do it. So here we go. In Luke chapter 10, here's where we pick up and learn Jesus' strategy on how he changed the world. Are you ready for this? Are you ready to be challenged today? I've got two challenges for you. I hope to make you uncomfortable. Here we go. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others. That is besides the 12. And he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. There's a prayer worth praying frequently. Go, Jesus said, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse, a bag, or sandals, or a smartphone. And do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking whatever they give you. For the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Interesting. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. And so the question is, why two by two? Why send out his disciples two by two? Well, here's why. Because the right two by two, the right duo can change a community. The right duo can change a city. The right duo can change the world. Look at some of these duos. Mario and Luigi. They're incredible. Dr. J and Snoop Dogg. A. Jack and Rose. Ah, these two racers. Carl Nufton and what's this guy's name? It's not Cal Ripken, Ricky Bobby. We'll talk about that later. Here we go. Cal, maybe it is. Is it? I thought it was Nuffton. All right. Son, don't correct me in public. Here we go. (laughs) And then the old 90s. Remember these guys? Richard, Tommy Boy. Nothing like a great duo. And then we know these guys are changing the world. (laughs) Nothing like a duo, a team. Jesus sent his disciples out in teams. And let me, let's just pause here and let me just say, Jesus wants you to do life with others. He wants you to do life on life with a brother and, and a sister. 
And as we think about growing in our faith, let me just say this. The standard of growing in your faith, the standard of becoming a disciple, is, is not linear knowledge. The standard of becoming a disciple is not uh, just meeting in groups. The standard of becoming a disciple is not even niceness. The standard of becoming a disciple is family. It's family. It's being that brother to a brother. It's being that sister to a sister. It's being that mother to a daughter. Jesus said when he was asked, Hey, your mom and dad are concerned about you. Or you're rather, your mother and brothers are concerned about you. You're not eating. What did Jesus say? Who are my mother and my brothers? But those who hear God's word and do it. These are my brothers and sisters. The standard of growing in faith is to refuse to go alone and instead go with family. When I look out here, I see my brother, Andrell Sapp here today, and Megan, and Joy. I, I see brothers and sisters. Don't you? Say yes, yes. Yes, it's okay to amen, all right? So, why go two by two? Here it is, co-laboring. There's way too much work to be done alone. That's why we, we, we work in twos. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. You've heard that old axiom, many hands make the work light. It's just easier. Last weekend, we had an event here happen after second service, later in the evening, where we had to take all these chairs down and put a bunch of tables in here and serve some of the best Mexican food I've ever tasted. Whoever made the guacamole dip and left the seeds in it, that was worth stealing. That was so good. We didn't know how to do it, and it's a big, big task. And our director of operations, Chuck Howell, he's like, hey, I'm gonna need, we're going to need some help. And guess what? About 15 people showed up, and they quickly turned this worship center into a big banquet. And I think we took it down even faster. And how did this happen? Because of workers, of laborers. And I want to thank our workers and our volunteers that made this beautiful event happen. Now, this event was, was for 100-plus rooted graduates. This is our Nairobi Kenyan discipleship experience that we'll be offering again next fall. If you haven't done rooted, you're gonna. Here's the question. Where do you need to ask for help? Where do you need to ask for help? If, if co-laboring is a necessity because many hands make the work light, is there an area in your life where you need a, you, you need a tutor because you've got finals this week? Or you, you need to take summer school and you need help? Or you want to grow professionally? Or you want to get better with your finances? Or you want to get better in relationships? Is there... Is there an area in your life you need to ask for help? Maybe you're just a parent that needs a night off. And so you want some, some people to take care of your kids, and maybe your husband even. <laughs> and, so, and, so, and so where would you go for that? Hey, you go to, you go to some friends that you can trust. You go, if you have a small group, go to your small group and say, hey, need a break. Would you mind watching our kids this Friday? And we'll watch your kids this Friday, next Friday, next year. Uh, but you need a break. Where do you need to ask for?
for help. Don't hesitate to ask. And let me just tell you, as a disciple, as God's child, God's son, God's daughter, you have all access to ask for whatever help you need. It's all on you to make the ask. To get better in whatever area you want to get better in. It's, you have complete all access to get better as a husband, as a wife, as a single. The, the opportunities out there are amazing. And guess what? They don't all cost money. Often, it's just you get it by building a relationship. Ask. Maybe you're having an, an addiction of some sort or some, something you can't control that's really been difficult on you. Ask for help. If you want to write something down personal this morning, you can use our Connect card and let us know confidentially how we can be helpful to help you co-labor in any way. Sound good? So, why two by two? Because co-laboring helps us get all the work done. Work, refuse to go alone. It, it is not worth it. It's, it doesn't work. Secondly, community. There's too much danger to travel alone. Now, there actually were wolves in the first century in Israel. Uh, Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or a bag or a sandals. Why is he telling them this? Well, first, I think it's important to realize in life this truth. This is a healthy place to be. One of the most emotionally healthy places you can get to is saying this. I'm a lamb. They are wolves. Thank you, Jesus, that you're a wolf slayer. I think it's important to recognize and, and our rooted graduates understand this, there is such a thing as evil out there. Just recognize it. And, and uh, don't get fascinated with evil. Sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, I, was, I, I, I saw some darkness, and they get all interested in that. Let me tell you, if you come in contact with real evil, it'll scare the bejuvies out of you. Okay? Uh, oh, that person had an evil spirit, I could tell. No, it'd freak you out. Yeah, it's, it's scary as, as all get out. But, so, but recognize Jesus is the wolf slayer. He's our protector. That's one reason I pray for people daily. God, give them energy and protection. Protect them. It's a great, great prayer for others. If there are wolves, why force the disciples to leave their purse or their bag or their sandals behind? <laughs> Or, like I mentioned in the read, leave your cell phone behind. Can you imagine that? How many of you have your phones with you right now? Immediate access. Who's the fastest draw? Right? Right? We all got them, right? Okay. Maybe who doesn't have their cell phone this morning? Raise your hand high. Raise it really high. You guys are awesome. I want to be like you. <laughs> Sometimes those, those phones can be places for security. And they can keep us actually away from the very thing we need. I know I was so funny, it's distracting. Check this out. I wasn't. Uh, sometimes our smartphones or our purses, our bags, can actually, can actually keep us from what we need the most. L let me explain this to you. <clears throat> the Bible does not teach hyper-individuality, which says it's going to be my way or the highway. The Bible doesn't teach us codependence. I need you to like me. I need you to love me. Mm -mm. The Bible teaches interdependence. 
we need each other to accomplish his mission. We need each other in this family to get better. We need each other as husband and wife. We need each other as family. By the way, three of my four sons are here this morning. It's awesome to have them. We need each other to grow together in Christ. It's interdependence. Here's interdependence. Job number one with interdependence is finding a friend and building relationships. Jesus makes interdependence the default mode of everything we do. This is is a critical area of your life. Why is it so important? Well, we have adventure groups here because we think if you're not in a group, spiritually, you could easily die. I like this line, get in a group or die. Why is that important? Well, think about this. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he sent them out in, in groups of two. And they went out and they built relationships with residences throughout all of Israel. They built relationships with them. So that when evil days came, they would have a place to go. When persecution broke out, they would have a place to go. When they needed food, they would have a place to go. And in the first century, this would indeed happen. They would indeed, this would indeed happen. Now, one other experience we're offering here in the fall, as I mentioned earlier, is rooted. I hope that you'll prayerfully consider this experience, 10-week experience next, next fall. It creates a lot of community, a lot of relationships. Let me ask this question. What's your plan this summer? To create connection. Because what I'm arguing is that this summer is your opportunity to create connection and to experience the family of Christ all summer long. How are you going to do that? Let me suggest that your groups, ideally they're dismissing for the summer. Your adventure group is ideally dismissing for the summer. It gives everyone a break. Some of you eager beavers are going to continue. Awesome, go for it. But when your group dismisses, what I want to encourage you to do is meet throughout the summer. Have meals together. Open your backyard pool to your friends and sit around the pool and and enjoy watching the kids play and burn off energy so they'll get a good nap. If you don't have a pool, sneak in your neighbor's pool and, 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 and spend some social time with one another or go to the club or your apartment complex and have a good time with each other in fellowship all summer. Make that a plan. Be intentional. What we're saying this summer is this. This is the sermon in a sentence. This is my first challenge for you today. Plan, invite, and follow up. Reach out, create connectedness this summer by planning, inviting someone, and circling back, following up. Say it with me. Plan, Invite, follow up. My sister does something really creative often. She'll say, hey, we're going to be at the movies. We're going to be there at 4 o'clock if you want to join us. She just sets it all up. So all we've got to do is get there, and she pays for our ticket and buys us all the food we want. (laughs) Not true on the last part. We don't expect it. Plan, invite, follow up. Thirdly, commit. There's too much uncertainty to fight alone. Too much uncertainty to fight alone. Let me, let me say it this way. There's two kinds of people that are looking for relationships. 
two kinds of two kinds of reasons why you would look for relationships. One is you 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 try to create relationships out of a certain out of out of an urgency because you're in a crisis. Or you create relationships because you know life's hard and a crisis is going to come. For anybody. And I want you to be the latter. Be proactive. Commit to building relationships. Now Jesus says this. Stay in the house, eating and drinking, whatever they give you. Why would he say that? Why would he say stay? Why no moving around? I kind of already tipped my hat on it a little bit. But let me say it this way again. So Jesus is sending his disciples out, 70 of them this time, two by two, all throughout Israel, to prioritize job number one. Not healing, not preaching. Build a relationship. Find someone of peace. Why would you do that? Because when we read in the book of Acts, the first 30 years of the early church, persecution would break out. These early disciples would lose their rights to purchase merchandise. In many cases, they would lose their entire affiliation with a local synagogue. They would, in many cases, have somebody uh, arrested in their family, and there would be a manhunt for them. Where are they going to go? Here's what I would suggest. Jesus is actually modeling for us what is recorded in the Gospel of Luke. He's modeling for us wise stewardship in building relationships that can be there for you in a moment of crises, in advance. So if you're one of these disciples and that Jesus sent out and your family's being persecuted because within about 18 months, persecution's going to start on early Christians and you lose your home, where are you going to go? You're going to go to that family that served incredible macaroni and bread and gave you a place to stay and that actually believed in Christ. Jesus built a network of relationships that he could find trust in. And here's the deal. Sometimes we imagine what those relationships are just family. There's, there's no blood thicker than family. Sometimes you hear it said in different ways. Here's what I would argue. I would argue that Solomon was right when he said it this way. Better to go to a neighbor that is near than a relative that is far away. Why did he say that? Better to go to a neighbor that is near than to a relative who is far away. Why would he say that? Here's why. Solomon knows that that sometimes you you can't get across the country to a family member. And and, And Jesus is teaching us to love our neighbor, the one right next door, so that we can have a good relationship with them when we are when we face our own crises. Someone near, someone that's accessible. That's why it's so important that we build the relationships we have here with our brothers and sisters in Christ so that when we face a crisis, we're ready for it. How do you build relationships? Here's a few. If you're like terrible at building relationships, anyone like, I just don't like people. I want to help you with that. Number one, I know we have people like that. Number one, be interested. Be interested. Listen to them. Get them talking about their story. Everyone loves to tell their story. Most people. Just ask a question and listen, and they'll go, they'll just keep talking. You're just like, yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome. Be interested. Secondly, be approachable. Walk slowly through a crowd like Jesus did. Be approachable. 
Let, let, people, let people come to you and be a listener. Give them great eye contact. When you shake their hand, don't give them the fish hand. Give them a good sh- handshake. Be approachable. Be fun. Don't be all negative. How you doing? Well, the world's about to go down. Well, have you seen what's going on in politics? Oh, it's just bad. It's always been bad. Number fourth, be a safe person. That just means let Christ's character live in you. Be a safe person. Fourthly, be involved. Like when there's an opportunity to serve in your neighborhood, jump on it. Be involved. And lastly, be yourself. Okay? That doesn't mean burp out loud, but that means, that means be, be God's child. Be who you are. Season your, your, your speech with salt. That's how you build relationships from scratch. Which relationship, let me ask you, do you need to recommit yourself to? Do you have a relationship you need to recommit yourself to? I think, by the way, this month and next, all the graduation parties we get to go to, remind us of how, and retirement parties, remind us of how much we love people. They're great opportunities. What relationships do you need to recommit yourself to? And here's what we're asking you to do. Say it with me this summer. Plan, invite, follow up. Plan, invite, follow up. That's the, that's the challenge today. Plan, and as, as in my marriage, my wife, when she wants to get together with someone, I'm like, let's do it uh, next week. No, nope, let's do it today. Okay, let's go. I, I like the way she plans. Your, your family's going to be unique. Plan, invite, and follow up. Now, I want to circle, I want to challenge you in another area for the last time this spring. Adventure's uniqueness has been really building relationships in our community. That if you were to ask us, what are we good at? It's building relationships in the community. It's serving our community. And we have intention here for our church to be a servant to the community from the very beginning of our start 16 years ago this October. In fact, we intended this building to actually be a place that served our community. And it is on a regular basis. And so we've made a commitment to buy this building. We want to own all 41,125,000 square feet, Lord willing, someday, by his grace and generosity. And if you've been a part of this effort, which we call Multiply Hope Mission, if, if you've been arm in arm with us, we want to say thank you. Thank you. If you've been unable to start, we just want you to know we understand Times are tough sometimes. Not every family's in a position to start, okay? So we totally understand. If, if, uh, if you're just now hearing about this, I want you to consider coming and joining this. In fact, I'll go to my office after service, and I've got information I can give you if you, you want to know about this Multiply Hope mission. And finally, if, if you were kidnapped by a friend and, and brought to church this morning, and you're like, this is weird, let, let, me, just, let me just tell you, you're getting to listen right now in on family talk of those who call adventure home. So just watch and listen and and chill. So here's what's happened so far. Since last November, adventurers, per the end of April, they've given over $300,000 over their regular giving to buy this building. It's amazing. And and it hasn't just been cash. We've had folks give a motorhome that we sold for $27,500. Yep. So be careful about parking your motorhome on our campus. (laughs) Secondly, we've had folks give jewelry uh, at at, uh, very valued, very precious jewelry that we're able to sell and give towards Multiply Hope Mission. And we just can't thank you enough 
for making this possible because we think this is, if, this is all God's doing. We're, just, we're totally trusting him to provide. Where God guides, we believe he provides. That's the, that's the, he's, the, he's the leader. So that's what we're doing. Um, our total commitments so far are 1,104,000. That's what's been committed by 133 families that call Adventure Home. And our goal by December 2020 is 1.5 million. Turn to your neighbor and say, uh, that's a big hairy dream. <laughs> it is, because we, ha- we believe we have a big God. And we just trust him to provide. He's our provider. And I want to update you on our, our normal giving this year. Because if you remember, a year ago, it was lacking a little bit. This year, our giving's gone up 7.4%. That's actually a lot. That's just our general giving. And I want you to know what that means. That actually means that you give our leadership team the opportunity to invest more in why people are calling Adventure Home. Here's why I think people are calling Adventure Home. Our children's ministry is loving kids and providing a great experience here on campus, but also for our area, we do things. We're going to get to support more children's ministry events and, and staff. We're going to get to continue to support our student ministry, which is killing it. We're going to continue to get to do more things like Compassion 365 in our community. And we're going to continue to get to actually support our missionaries more because of your generosity. Thank you. That's what God's doing through you. I want to give you a challenge. This is the second challenge. The first challenge was to plan, invite, and follow up. The second challenge is this. It's to take the three-month tithe challenge. Yes, for some people it's a cuss word. Hang in there. We include this on the back side of the online giving card. And this is a challenge that is not a rule for the early believers. Uh, the early believers, uh, there's, there's no rule for tithing at all. It's actually embedded in a promise that came out before the law that when we make a decision to give uh, generously to the Lord, when we sow generously, we will reap generously. In fact, there's a passage in Malachi that says, if you will give God your first 10%, he will open up the heavens. And because this is not a rule in the New Testament, for those of you that are uncomfortable with it, you should rejoice today. It's not a rule. Praise the Lord. But because of the promise that's associated with it, we wanted to give you an opportunity to consider it, like all of our giving, very anonymously, very confidentially. And so there are all the kind of terms and agreement that you can look at. But basically what we're telling you is this. You commit to start tithing in June. And if you don't experience God's blessings by July, excuse me, the end of August, you get your money back. We'll, we'll cut you a check or give you cash, whatever you want, based on what you gave. But we, and you might think that's like weird, but here's the deal. We actually really trust God with that. And it's based on a promise. Before the law even came out, Abraham gave the Lord a tithe of all he had. And he gave it to the priesthood of Melchizedek, which is the priesthood of Christ. And so it has value. Consider it. Pray about it. Don't be embittered over it. Just know 
There's a promise tucked in there. I want you to have the blessing. And some people are here and they're like, I'm so glad you're teaching on that. Do you know why? Because they're experiencing the blessing. They just want you to have it. You good with that? Yep. But if you're interested in it, you actually have to move fast on that uh, by the end of this week. Here's what we're saying here. When faith and unity link together, the miraculous is unleashed. When faith and unity are linked together, the miraculous is unleashed. The sick are healed, and the kingdom of God is experienced. I want to take a moment and to actually read from you, read for you, some words that came from a family that used to attend Adventure years ago, three years ago, and uh, they wrote a book that, and included Adventure in it. And here's the story. Some of you will know this family. She writes, I remember being pregnant with my youngest child and taking my two daughters and my two nieces to church with me. My husband was at work. I'd lost my wedding ring, so I didn't have it on. One of the young men working for the church as a crosswalk attendant processed this as I'm pregnant, single, and sleeping around having kids by different fathers. (laughs) This man flat out asked me, where are their daddies? She had a bad church experience. If you're wondering if what you heard was what you heard, it was. And then she said something changed. Their daughter started hearing about adventure. Their daughter attended the performing arts school at the Benvenuti Performing Arts Center, and they came to adventure. At adventure, we met two people who were loving and kind, Diane and Chuck Howell. They welcomed us into their home. It was in that moment that we began to understand God's plan for marriage. And that's what began to make the difference in our relationship. We would also learn that the enemy had been telling us a lie. We were not the only ones with marital problems that all marriages have. It wasn't just, it's not just ours. All of them have their testing moments. We began enjoying our time together as husband and wife. How you doing? And that wasn't in there. And... And interacting with those couples. We were happy. And our daughters were happy. Finally, God was the foundation of our marriage. Finally, I had the marriage I always wanted. Things were more than just great. We felt truly blessed. And some of you may remember this family. This is the Brandon and Andrea Gomes family that since moved to Texas like everyone else. Beautiful, beautiful family. Why are relationships so critical? Let me say this as the worship band comes forward. You see, you're you're either building a relationship for a crisis you're in, or you're building a relationship for a crisis you may go through or someone else may go through in the future. Why is it so critical? Let me just tell you the story behind the story. Don't miss this as things start to move or you'll be disappointed. This family was brought to adventure by their daughter, Kiara, in approximately August of 2015. Her birthday was on October 10th, 2015. Her request of her family was that she be baptized on her birthday. I got to baptize her. Actually, I didn't. Her dad baptized her, Brandon. And then she baptized her dad at the club at Natomas Park. Are you building a relationship for a crisis you're in, 
or a crisis you may experience in the future that you don't know about it. Her baptism was on the 10th of October, 2015. She had some medical challenges in early December. And there was, a, there was actually some errors made in her meds. She died Christmas Eve, two months later. I remember I was there. So was my son Mark. We never know what kind of crises we're going to go through. We never know what kind of crises our brothers and sisters are going to go through. The opportunity we have this summer is much like their opportunity. They, they made a decision as a family that they were not going to, they, to refuse to go it alone. They were going to co-labor with us. By the way, I want to give you the good news. They're still co-laboring with another church in Texas. He is the chef now at a huge church in Texas led by Tony Evans. Some of you will remember him, a promise keeper preacher, an incredible guy. They made a commitment to build community because there's too much danger in traveling alone. And this happened before they lost their 15-year-old daughter, Kiara. And they made a commitment that to a church body because there's too much uncertainty to fight alone. And they're together and their family's doing great in Christ in Texas. So, my challenge to you, two-fold challenge today. Consider the tithe challenge, but what's the why behind the tithe challenge? It's people. It's bringing hope to families. It's marriages. It's being there in a crisis. It's loving people. That's what makes life worth it. To me, those are, those are the treasures of heaven. Getting to love people and have great relationships with people. To me, that's, that's the best. That's the best. Plan, invite, follow up. That's my challenge for you today. May I pray for you? May I pray for you? Heavenly Father, relationships are tough for us because we're tired and we just want to curl up in a ball sometimes and be by ourselves for a solid summer and sometimes we may have a best friend or be married to someone that's extremely social and that's challenging for us Lord would you show us our own selfishness in the whole process will you show us that dying to ourselves and letting others in is going to net us the life that is truly life. Would you, would you bring to mind right now what relationships we need to recommit to so that when they experience a crisis or we experience a crisis, we have the network like the early disciples had to handle it. Lord, bring to mind who we need to plan and invite and follow up to. Right now I'm asking, who is God bringing to mind for you to reach out to, to plan, to invite, and to follow up with? I'm asking him that question right now. You identify who's coming to mind. Who is he bringing to mind for you to plan, to invite, and follow up with? And Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that all of your bounty is from you. It's from your hand. And we thank you that we're not tied down to rules as it relates to giving. But would you help us realize you're the source of all that we have. If you're here today and you've never made a decision,
to make Jesus the leader of your life. But it's been something that you've wanted to do. And you're ready today. I invite you right from where you're seated to simply say, Jesus, I want the life that you offer. I accept that your life was offered on the cross for my life. And you resurrected from the dead. An extraordinary event with incredible implications. If it's your decision to make Jesus the leader of your life today, right from where you're seated, I invite you to just raise your hand right from where you're at. I want to celebrate your decision. If for the first time today, you want to make Jesus the leader of your life, if you would raise your hand, I will acknowledge your decision privately. Anyone? Father, help let hope rise in us as we plan and invite and as we follow up with our friends because we know the standard of discipleship is family. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You've got a great family to be with this summer. I'm going to ask the band to lead in a closing song. And I'm going to ask you to wish at least three people a happy Memorial Day before you leave. And then go have a great weekend. Be safe. Be self-controlled. Smile. And thank God you're an American.